It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Programme. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Journey to a COVID-19 vaccine. Vaccine began decades ago with research on earlier coronaviruses. Scientists built on that with months more of research and development, worldwide cooperation, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of diverse volunteers. Finally, they arrived at a safe, effective vaccine. The next step on the journey is yours. Discover the facts at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. We've got a great show in store coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour. We're going to talk again with uh, Chris Bordessa, who is uh, um, homesteading in Hawaii, but is a uh, contributor to National Geographic and the... uh, uh, writer for uh, a book they have out called Attainable Sustainable, and we're going to talk about sustainable living and and that sort of thing coming up with uh, Chris during the third half of our three-hour tour. In the middle, in the second hour, we're going to talk with uh, an expert on presentations who has uh, a new book, Um, and uh, let's see, what is the book? I've got it here in my notes. The uh, uh, book is called... Uh, the Exceptional Presenter Goes Virtual. His name is Timothy Kogel, and he joins us during the second hour. But first, we're going to talk with... Um, my my guest this hour is a practicing anesthesiologist and tenured professor of anesthesiology at the University of Florida. So naturally, we're going to talk about her debut novel called Fatal Intent with uh, Tammy Iliano, who joins me by phone. Hi, Tammy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to talk to you. Um, you know, it, I'm, I'm really tempted to make a joke about writing a novel <laughs> and being an anesthesiologist. You can do that. <laughs> But but I think instead this is a debut novel, but it's getting a lot of praise. Um, New York Times bestseller uh, Kathy Reichs calls it a medical suspense as sharp as it gets. Um, and how do you go from you know being a tenured professor and 
you know, a practicing anesthesiologist, how do you how do you find the time to sit down and, and write a novel, let alone um, all of the, the research and, and the creativity that goes into coming up with a, a story like this? It's definitely been an interesting and circuitous route, but anesthesiologists are... Uh are a pretty great lot as far as being creative, coming up with solutions during COVID. Um, we've been sort of the leaders in coming up with ways to ventilate people and, uh, and keep them alive. So it's not a huge leap that I would end up in a creative field. One of my mentors says you have to reinvent yourself every 10 years. And so it took a lot longer than 10 years for me to figure out that I really loved writing. But um, I was writing a textbook with my, uh, my mentor, and we finished it, and he said, you know, this collaboration is really fun. Why don't we write something else? And I said, great, and had no idea he meant a fiction novel. Um, so we started it together, and unfortunately he fell ill and passed away. But I had the bug then, so I resigned all my administrative duties and wrapped up my research and went part-time so that I would have more time to learn how to write, which I didn't realize I needed to do, and then, uh, and then get started with Fatal Intent. Why why a suspense novel and not, say, a, a hospital drama or soap opera? I've never been a soap opera kind of person. <laughs> um, I've always been a tomboy, and, and uh, romance and all those things have never really appealed to me. Please don't tell my husband. Um, <laughs> but it just, it, the books I read tend to be the ones with, uh, with a mystery, that there's something to solve, and... Uh, a little bit of action and and uh, concern for the protagonist that goes beyond whether she'll get her boy. But that's that's um, you know in some ways it's not as much of a stretch as I might be implying because you've always had kind of a fascination with uh, engineering and and problem solving and puzzles and I have yes that kind of thing. So you know sorting out a uh, a mystery or, or uh, untangling a suspense uh, like this is is not as far afield as one might think at first glance. Right. When you were writing this book, um, did you model it after any particular writers that, that you enjoy? Were you inspired by... Um, some specific writers? Uh, I have read a lot of Harlan Coben, and I love the way he writes. And I've actually gotten to meet him, and he's just the most friendly, amazing man. He's actually married to a pediatrician, which is cool. Um, so Harlan Coben, uh, Louise Penny is one of my favorite authors, although I don't actually model my writing after her. From um, Canada. And then Lee Chuck. Yes, yes, my mom is Canadian. Um, Louise has been on the show a couple times. Has she? Yeah, oh, she's everything I hear of her is just delightful, and I absolutely love her series. I don't read books over again very often, but I've read her series twice. Um, and then and Lee Child, his style is is probably a lot of of what I write. Um, I, you know, it's interesting that you bring up Louise Penny because um, I just had the uh, um, voiceover artist who read her. Oh, my her books um, was on the show recently. You know who I'm talking about. Yes. It was, oh, it he's was in the, Downton you know, the Abbey. First one passed away, but the second one, oh, my, they're both just incredible. 
Yeah, the one that I had was uh, a, a uh, character. He played a role in uh, Downton Abbey. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. I guess it makes sense they'd be actors beyond just voice actors. <laughs> That's true. Um, but getting away from that and back to uh, Fatal Intent, a novel, um, this is a uh, an unusual time for writers. Uh, while there's a lot of time to write, it's difficult to do, you know, some of the personal appearance stuff that's often associated with releasing a book. Um, has that been a challenge, or, or um, is is because this is your first time with a novel, um, it's all new? Well, sort of the latter. Um, I was in, in th this all started a year ago, and when I the publisher agreed to publish it, and I signed everything and was talking to colleagues who have already published and talking about the world's longest book tour and things that people have done, and, and it definitely made me a little nauseated because I'm not very good in those settings. So, so the fact that the pandemic happened and I have to do it all virtually is not horrible um, for me. But, um, but yeah, I think I'm missing out a little bit on things and, and planning them. I'm very fortunate that I'm not right in a, a year ago where everything was getting canceled and people were having to scramble to figure out how to do virtual events. The bookstores that I've talked to have it pretty, pretty well figured out now. So, so it's not as difficult as it might have been. I'm, I'm definitely missing out on some of the face-to-face -face stuff. I have been going to Thriller Fest, which is just an amazing meeting in New York City every July, and, uh, and I'm sorry not to get to do that because that was, I was looking forward to my turn on the other side of the table um, oh, yeah. meeting, meeting readers, but maybe next year. Do you enjoy that part of it, um, Tammy? You know, a lot of writers are, you know, kind of introverted perspective and, and uh, writing is fairly solitary. Do you enjoy, do you think you'll enjoy that part, getting out and interacting with readers? I do. I, I think I would feel horrible if I went to a book signing and nobody showed up. I think that would be a, a real blow, but, but getting to meet people and talk about writing and talk about um, whatever they want to talk about. You know, I sort of do that in my day job. I meet patients, and I specialize in obstetric anesthesia, so my patients actually get to stay awake. And so getting to know them in a very short period of time and, and uh, learning about their lives and their concerns, it's, it's fun for me. So I, I do think I will enjoy that. With, with this book, Fatal Intent, um, and, and I always ask writers this, regardless of whether it's a, a first novel or a 35th. Um, do you come up with this, did you come up with the, the story first and then cast characters into it, or did you have characters in mind and, and then decide what kinds of things would happen to them? I came up with the plot first. I, I had a question, this uh, end of life and how should it happen, that had been sort of brewing in my mind since well, oddly enough, since childhood. And so I knew I wanted to write something about that put characters in a quandary about that. And then the characters came after that, but, um, but they're very much based on people I know. And, um, and then they sort of, I know that sounds bizarre, but they sort of took the plot from there. I sort of knew what I wanted the main theme to be, and 
a little bit how to get there, but then the characters kind of figured out how to get there. Now you've done you've done writing before, but it's been more academic. Is is writing this way, um, where really everything is up to you? Is is that a very different kind of writing? And and how does how does that work for you? Are you a very disciplined writer, or do you binge write? How does how does that play out? It is completely different from technical writing, which I, as you said, I've done for many years. And then I also did a lot of editing of medical student and residents' personal statements, which is a little bit more creative, but still has a very specific target of making them sound good. Um, and, and creative writing is unbelievably different from that. I sat down thinking, I'm going to write a book, and very quickly realized I had no idea about point of view and head hopping and setting a scene. And, um, and so there is a, there's some rules, but the fact that there's just an infinite number of ways you can make your story go is um, exciting and daunting at the same time. Um, as far as my writing style, I, I work three days a week, so I have great difficulty getting much writing done on those days. But um, I take every Friday off and usually go out to uh, a nearby lake with my dogs and uh, and I sort of write for one minute and then throw a ball for a dog and then write for two minutes until the ball reappears. Um, <laughs> but I can do that for, for a couple hours. Um, I do take breaks to walk with the dogs or whatever, but when I do get into the into the flow, um, it's it's amazing. It's one of the best feelings in the world, but it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes it's a little bit of a chore and a slog and uh, get words on the page and then sort of knowing that they're not going to stay there is a little dis- disappointing. Um, often when I get stuck, I, I have a huge whiteboard that we used for the kids when they were in school, and I just start uh, mind mapping on the, on the whiteboard and, and having the characters tell me about themselves, and, uh, and that really makes it come together for me. frequently although there's no delete button where you can restore it afterwards so i have to be very careful about taking pictures of the board before i erase it (laughs) yeah there you go um you know i want to i want to talk uh some more about the about the plot line and and research and the things that go into the book but i have a break coming up here in about a minute tammy can you stand by for a few minutes and uh, sure and then we'll We'll pick it up after the break. Sure, that great. Sounds good. My my guest is uh, Tammy Iliano, uh, M.D., practicing uh, anesthesiologist and tenured professor at uh, the University of Florida, and the author of a new book called Fatal Intent. And we're going to talk some more with Tammy after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're Listening to us on 92.1 FM, our voices radio in Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House, Spectacle Productions, and my good friend Paul Herring. So we'll let them uh, squeeze in here for a couple of minutes. And if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And um, then we will return. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. More with uh, Tammy Iliano is uh, coming up straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of COVID-19. Wear your mask correctly. Wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds before putting on your mask. Holding the ear loops or ties, make sure the mask covers your nose and mouth and secure it around your chin. Try to fit it snugly against the sides of your face. Make sure you can breathe easily and keep the mask on the entire time you're in public. To learn more, visit cdc.gov coronavirus. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com.
Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm uh, having a conversation with the author of a new book called Fatal Intent. She is Tammy Uliano, who uh, joins me by phone. Tammy, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Um, you know, I was uh, just reminding myself of the, uh, the story of uh, that that takes place in Fatal Intent, which uh, is described as a medical suspense. And uh, you are a practicing anesthesiologist and tenured professor of anesthesiology at the University of Florida. Um, and this revolves around an anesthesiologist. Um, <laughs> is is that is that part of that adage? Right, what you know. Absolutely, especially <laughs> for a debut novel. You uh, well, it was natural for me to write what what I knew because I had so much else to learn about writing that uh, that at least having the material in the background was uh, un- already understood was incredibly helpful. But the story, as it unfolds, is a little bit of a slam on um, doctors and and the healthcare system. Um, I hope it comes off as as n- not quite that way. Um, it definitely points out that there are people that are less than uh, friendly. Um, th- as in any profession, there's going to be the good guys and the bad guys, um, and and uh hmm that's worrisome well <laughs> no I, I, I don't want to <laughs> yeah I, I i i don't want to overemphasize that but what i'm getting at is um are some of the elements of this story some of the good guys and some of the bad guys based on your knowledge of the field and and how much research did you have to do and how much of it was just sort of um from first-hand knowledge? The the vast majority is first-hand knowledge. There were obviously some things I needed to to look up um, and infinitely more for the sequel. But, um, but like the political wranglings within a hospital, um, I have not been intimately involved with that, but on the periphery and hearing the stories. And I've been blessed with amazing people to work with and have never had these awful situations, but some of my, uh, like, co-residents who have gone on to other practices have uh, shared stories of of intrigue like this. Nothing quite so dramatic, of course, but um, but not every politician is uh, in Washington, unfortunately. Well, the main character of the book, Dr. Kate Downey, um, is kind of surrounded by all kinds of... Uh, end-of-life issues, um, she seems to be the only one in her immediate circle that isn't on death's uh, door. <laughs> she uh, definitely is dealing with some pretty deep things, and that's where her life diverges dramatically from my own. You know, originally her she's modeled a little bit after my career at that same stage of life, but... Um, but I am fortunate not to have a uh, husband who's near death's door. Yeah, her husband's in a coma, but but she's investigating um, the 
um, her elderly parents start dying after some relatively minor or routine surgery. Right. Yes, and then uh, and she's compelled to figure out why, and other people are are not quite so compelled. In real life, we do these kinds of surgeries, and the patient gets discharged, and anesthesiologists don't generally have any opportunity to follow up once the patient leaves the hospital. So, so it's sort of serendipitous that she discovers this is going on, and then uh, because of some other things going on in her life, she feels like this is something she needs to figure out. And, um, and so, yeah, I guess she is pretty much surrounded by death and, and ugliness. Well, and it, it, it also gives a chance to, you know, look at some end-of-life issues. It does, and that's one of my goals, is, is not only to portray some end-of-life issues, but to um, hopefully stimulate discussion amongst the readers, um, both in their book clubs or, or even just in their own minds, but hopefully they'll bring it home and talk to their loved ones who would be in the position to have to make the kinds of decisions that Kate stuck with, because um, there are plenty of resources to advance plan, that sort of thing. You know, I've asked a lot of writers, you know, who inspires them, and if, you know, in writing the book, if if there was someone you aspired to write like, but I don't know if I've ever asked anyone this question. When you were writing the book, was there someone that you imagined was reading it? Um, I guess myself. Um, I modeled it after what I would enjoy reading. Um, I don't think I'm a very atypical reader, so so I guess not not really. I mean, I don't think it's something that a kid would enjoy. Um, but I think in any adult um, who enjoys a little bit of suspense, and uh, I think they would enjoy it. What are, you know, a lot of times people will ask, you know, what are the takeaways from a book? Usually that's, you know, relating to technical writing more than, uh, uh, you know, a fictional novel. Um, But what were some of the takeaways for you in going through this process of, of writing a novel for the first time? Um, for me, that it was that you can never learn enough about how to write and reading other people is a, a great way to learn, but you also need to take some classes and do some craft things. Um, I learned, at least for me, that writing short fiction was a great way to hone my craft and uh, and learn how to write lean. And that, that's been also very fun for me because it's a project you can go from point A to point B in a day instead of in a year. Um, and then the other thing that has helped me immensely is having, I call it my tribe, my group of um, other writers that I confer with. Some are critique partner sort of writers, and some are just the cheering squad who encourages me. And uh, it's sort of a mutual admiration society that we talk on the phone and get together once a year and uh, and just cheer each other on. Because, as you said, it's a pretty lonely profession, um, and so it's nice to have other people who are going through it and understand what you're talking about um, and also to bounce things off of and... Uh, and do some brainstorming. Well, that's that's interesting. Did did your 
tribe already exist when you started writing this novel, or did it evolve during the writing of the novel? It definitely evolved. I started the novel, um, pretty much finished it, went to a writer's uh, conference where somebody recommended a, an immersion course, which I went to, and that's where I met these other women. And we just clicked from day one, and uh, we've been together now for six years. We're all over the country, but we get together once a year here in Florida and uh, spend a week together just writing and talking and and uh, consoling <laughs> and working together. But then over the t time, I've also added some people to that group. Um, going to meetings, it's expensive, um, but it's amazing because the, the writer community is so different from the medical community. They're... Um, they're just a completely different. Yeah, they're they're much more varied, obviously, but also just so supportive. You you meet Lee Child, who's just you know an amazing published, multi-published television shows and movies, and uh, and he's just this approachable guy who gives you a hug and and is willing to sit down and and chat with you. Um, I don't get that sense as much when I go to medical meetings. It seems a little bit more competitive. Um, in that environment, so um, going to meetings and and meeting people is is so inspiring. You know, it's, and it's kind of um, it, it's kind of interesting that it plays out that way because you would think in the medical profession, people would want to share because there isn't the sense of propriety that there would be with intellectual property like creative writing. It it is interesting. I think there's um, a little bit of uh, obviously it depends on who you're talking to. When I go to medical meetings and I meet up with former residents and people I know, it's uh, very much supportive. How would you handle this situation? And we are communicating and and collaborating. But there's a very large political arm to um, to medicine, and those are the people who. Um, are a lot more vocal, and it tends to be a little bit more competitive at that at that end of things. Somebody offers some information, and somebody has to one up them, and it's a, it, it gets it gets very amusing for those of us who don't participate. Um, but writers, um, they have a very interesting take, and that is the more readers helps all of us, and so if the more people who are churning out books that are worthy and interesting and, and get people interested, then, then it, as they say, raises all ships because they, uh, they get everybody reading, and the more they read, the more people can uh, sell books. Now, I, I was just noticing uh, that this isn't your first shot at fiction. In fact, you wrote a short fiction piece that won an award. I have written several um, short fiction pieces, and most of them have some sort of medical angle to them, but um, but they're, a couple of them are silly and funny. I'm actually reading a couple of them on a, on a live stream thing on YouTube this week. They're called bedtime stories, but being thrillers, they're not especially great for bedtime. Um, but uh, but yeah, they're they're very fun to write because they're so compact. Now you mentioned earlier, almost parenthetically, that uh, there's a sequel in the works to Fatal Intent. 
There is. Yes, I had not written it with a vision for that. Just, you know, the whole sort of Jessica Fletcher thing where, you know, how many people can possibly die in a tiny town? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, how many bad things can happen to one anesthesiologist in a, in a college town? Um, but the early reviews are all asking for it. And, um, and my publisher, when I signed the contract, asked for, for two books. And um, and I love Kate, and I really want to see where she goes. So so yeah, I'm having fun with it. It's more of a medical device um, problem than a than an evil um, medical provider. Um, but I'm having fun with it. It's not coming together quite as fast as I had hoped. The book launch has taken quite a lot of my creative energies. Um, but but it's it's fun. Hopefully, it'll be out within a year or so. Well, the uh, this book, Fatal Intent, is out, what, today? Today, yes. It's very exciting. And available, I'm sure, where, where all great books are sold. But interestingly, um, on, the, on the jacket of the, the version that I have in front of me, um, and you mentioned Lee Child, New York Times bestselling author of The Sentinel. Um, and I, I was trying to think if Lee had been on the show or not, because I've had several... Um, Really, really wonderful uh, writers on the show, David Baldacci and Mary Higgins Clark and so on. And and he said, this is terrific, delicious suspense, done that that authenticity, and a great main character in Dr. Kate Downey, and here's the operative part, we want to see more of her. And I always ask writers, um, Tammy, did you get to the end of the book and go, but wait, there's more? Because I always wonder how series get started. I, I have wondered the same, and, uh, and as I said, when I was writing it, I absolutely did not think that there could be, but as I got toward the end, I went, you know, i got to leave something hanging here, and um, I don't even know if that piece will, will come up in the next book, but, um, but yeah, I just, the characters become so real in your brain that uh, you don't want to say goodbye to them, so, so yeah, it's uh, definitely struck me as I as I typed the end that this needed to not be the end the um you know the now that you have this this book finished and and I'm really curious about this um do you have the bug now I mean could you see yourself uh writing uh, medical mysteries one right after another I have thought about that at length, and when things are going really well and I'm in the zone and the words are flowing, I think, oh, my gosh, I have to go to work tomorrow. I don't want to. I want to keep writing. And then on the days when it's not flowing, I go, wow, it's a good thing I have a day job. Um, I am blessed with financial security, so so I could be a full-time writer and, and be okay, but um, I still feel like I have something to offer at the hospital. I I practice a little bit differently than my male colleagues, and that's not meant to be completely sexist, but I've had a baby. I've experienced labor pain. I think I bring something different to the table than, than they can, and I'm the only woman in my division. So, uh, so I feel like I still have something to offer the residents. I've got more experience than anybody else, and, and so I, I, I want to keep teaching at least for a few more years. Um, I think three days a week is about right. And, uh, and it gives us health insurance, which is a big benefit in <laughs> Espe- 2021. Especially, yeah, especially in these 
in these days. Right. Um, you said the book was basically finished before we went into lockdown or quarantine or however you want to describe what we've been going through this last year. Um, did your publishers say we're going to hold off on the release of this? Actually, no. I um, I tried for several years to get an agent, um, and then I was uh, I was the moderator for a uh, medical panel at VoucherCon, which is a, a big national meeting of mystery uh, writers and readers. And on that panel was Pat Gusson, who is uh, one of the publishers at Ocean View. And so after the panel, I asked her if I could possibly submit my book directly to her, and she said, absolutely. And so she read it, and she contacted me in January of last year to say that they would like to publish it. And almost immediately said, uh, our calendar is such that it'll be March of 2021 before it comes out. So, so it was that just because they had so many books already in the pipeline. So it, it wasn't pandemic-related in any way. Um, what's funny is the other books I've been trying to get somebody to publish um, are pandemic-related, but it was written well before the pandemic, but ended up that it just, by chance, I had a rogue um, man-made virus that causes all sorts of problems, and it's a really bad time to try and get that published. So, so those are sitting on a shelf for a while. Oh, that's interesting. Now, and were these novels as well, or was this uh, something? Yes, they're that... novels. Um, the one I wrote first was a uh, was a, actually was came from a short story that I wrote in a class um, that's since been published. But it's basically that a virus happens and wipes out worldwide fertility, and so the book starts ten years later. There hasn't been a baby born in ten years, and of course. That sounds a little bit like Children of Men by P.D. James, but her book is all about how horrid society becomes. My book is about the scientist who figures out how to fix it. And then uh, the big question of, so now what do you do? Who, who gets this treatment? Is there, uh, who's in control of, of who gets to have a baby now? And, and so I try to argue every side of that equation, which is very fun to me to try to come up with logical explanations for, for every side without really having an a obvious uh, answer. Let people figure it out for themselves. Do you think of uh, Kate Downey as um, being someone who aspires to being a detective, a mystery solver, or just naturally curious and and doesn't settle for the easy answer i think the latter that she's as an anesthesiologist we're always looking for the reason why something's happening we don't just treat the symptoms we try to drill down and figure out what's causing the problem and, and we get to do that all real time and see the results of our of our uh, assumptions and and uh, and treatments and so i think it comes naturally to her to want to know what's going on um whether she evolves into someone who seeks out mysteries, I don't know. I haven't really figured that out yet. I, she hasn't told me yet what she wants to do. Do the characters talk to you in that way? Do they help tell the story in, in ways that maybe you didn't predict? 
They, they do, and it's, you know, when writers told me that when I was starting out, I thought they were a little bit loopy. <laughs> yeah, um, I was like, okay. But, but I have <laughs> had experiences where I'm trying to write a scene, and it's just not working, and, um, and then I sort of let it go a different way, and all of a sudden it works, and whether that's Kate telling me how she would behave or whether I've just got such a vision of her in my brain now that... Um, that her personality comes naturally in the back of my head. I, I don't know. But, but like I said, I, I will just take a blank piece of paper and let the character write to me. And, um, and it's really interesting what will happen. It's a little bit, um, maybe a little bit frightening what goes on in the back of my brain of, <laughs> of where these characters have come from and the, the awful histories. And, uh, and you feel sort of bad for them, but everybody says you've got to be as mean to your character as you can be. And, and sometimes it's sort of heartbreaking to... There's actually a, a death in this book that my mom read an early version, and she said, absolutely not. You must change that. That cannot happen. And so I changed it, and, and it was just not, it just didn't work. She, the, the, the person involved couldn't stay alive. And, uh, and so I don't know. My mom's not very happy about that. But. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, you're, when the story is unfolding, do you see the story and the characters interacting as if they were... Uh, in a movie? I do. I do. And it makes it a little bit challenging. I'm not very good at writing description or, you know, she smiled at him, he smiled at her kind of stuff. And in my mind, that's what's happening. But it's very difficult to describe. And so I have to learn better how to do that. Um, but yes, I do see it as a as a movie. I don't see who should play the characters. I was just, you were reading my mind, Tammy. I was just going to ask who you think should play Kate Downey if, it, if Fatal uh, Intent ever becomes a movie. I was asked that question, and um, I don't really watch movies or watch TV very much, so I can't name any characters. So I asked my daughter, and <laughs> she said, um, a young Julia Roberts. And I said, that's probably oh. not an option. Because. <laughs> They can't make a young Julia Roberts. Um, but I think she was thinking of her Erin uh, Brockovich character, and, and sort of that's kind of a little bit of Kate. Um, but but new, new people who are in the you know, upper 20s, lower 30s, of course, the way they cast them, it doesn't really matter what age they are. They can make them look any age. Um, that's true. Yeah, so, so I don't know. I, I'm hoping someone else will tell me. Well, Tammy, we're just about out of time, um, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, this book, Fatal Intent, and, and other work that, that you do, uh, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? I do. It's uh, T-U-L-I-A-N-O, T-E-U-L-I-A-N-O.com. And uh, my publicist has done a great job of putting that site together. It's got links to all my short stories. And uh, on the resources page, it has some information about how to get your living will done. And um, there's a page with some pictures of me outside of writing with my kids and my dogs and uh, the normal life. Um, and it also obviously has some information about the book and how to find it. Well, Tammy, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. It was very fun. It's great to meet you. And good luck with the book. I, I feel like we're much. celebrating the release this morning. Absolutely. All right. Take Thank care. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Tammy Iuliano, who is the author of a new book called Fatal Intent. We're going to take a short break, but we've got lots more of the Tom Sumner program on the other side.
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Lifebuoy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Lifebuoy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com
is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickerson. After seven years of cycloid insomnia, or slugger's disease, John Bickerson had finally consented to allow Dr. Hershey to relieve his condition. In room 113 at the General Hospital, Mrs. Bickerson watches anxiously as a surgical nurse ministers to poor John, who is suffering an attack the night before the operation. Listen. Oh, it's like being married to a steam shovel nurse. Cough's normal. Enjoy yourself, dear. Dr. Hershey's waiting for you in the corridor, Mrs. Bickerson. Oh, hello, doctor. Is he resting? I gave him a sedative. That'll quiet him down. Well, he isn't very quiet. Oh, well, actually, I could have done the operation in my office. It's so trivial. I won't be in surgery over 15 minutes, and there's absolutely no danger whatsoever. Will it hurt him? Not the slightest. All we do is take a stitch in his palate and shorten his uvula. I hate to bring this up now, Dr. Hershey, but how much will it cost? The fee will be $50 with the anesthetic. How much is it without the anesthetic? (laughs) I would say about $40. Would there be any discomfort if he didn't have an anesthetic? Not for me, there wouldn't. I wouldn't advise the operation without it. And you're sure he'll be cured when you're through? Oh, practically certain. Well, it's almost midnight now. I'll do his case first thing about seven. He just needs a good night's rest. Well, I'll just stay a little longer. Good night. Call the floor nurse if you need anything. Oh, I will. I hope that pill's quieted him down. I'm sure that isn't doing him any good. John! John, wake up! What? What's the matter, Blanche? Uh, what's the matter, huh? I put the cat out, I locked the windows, I left a note for the milkman, and I, and I hung up... John, uh, we're in the hospital. What for? Is somebody sick? No, you're going to have an operation. Dr. Hershey's going to shorten your uvula in the morning. Well, then what did you wake me up now for? Well, you were snoring, and I was afraid you'd wear it off before you got a chance to operate. You've been snoring steadily for three hours. Don't you suppose I want to sleep, too? You're not sleeping here, are you? Yes, I am. It costs another $5 to put another cart in the room. And I intend to use it. I can't get one night's sleep. Where's my nightgown? Not even in the hospital. I don't understand why you have to have an operation to cure your snoring. I didn't want it. You've been working on me for seven years to do this. I'm beginning to think it was a waste of money. I could have used that $40. I'm still walking around in a short dress. What are you going on about? Tomorrow I'll be walking around with a short uvula. Don't be so crabby. I'm not crabby. I'm just sleepy. Why don't you stop fiddling with that mirror and put out the lights? I have to get undressed, don't I? Well, take your dress off. Why are you plucking your eyebrows at this time of night? I'm not plucking my eyebrows. I'm taking off my false eyelashes. False eyelashes? I didn't even know you had bald eyelids. My eyelids are not bald. It's just that my lashes are short, and they don't bring out my eyes. Lots of women use false eyelashes. Well, throw them away. You don't need anything to bring out your eyes. 
Really? Really. I'm satisfied with the way they bulge now. What kind of a remark is that? Oh, hurry up, Blanche. I'm groggy. Blanche, what on earth are you taking out of your hair? It's a rat. A what? A roll of false hair. I have to wear it for the new hairstyles. My own hair is too thin with a pompadour. Oh, darn it. I can't get out of this dress. Blanche? What are those things? Haven't you ever seen shoulder pads before? Oh, I've never heard of such a thing. Your eyelashes are on the dresser, your hair is in the drawer, and your shoulders are on the chairs. What about it? That's you all over, Blanche. No one can think of more ways to spend money. Are you ready for bed now? Yes, dear. I'm ready for bed. Shall I crank yours up a little? No, put out the lights. Oh, I wanted to glance at the paper first. You go ahead and go to sleep. I can't sleep with the lights on. I left my sleep shade at home. Well, I won't be a minute. No one would believe this. In six hours, they're going to carve me to pieces. I'm supposed to rest, and here I'm... Shh! I can't concentrate with you mumbling. (laughs) There's certainly a lot of activity in Washington. What's all this tax reduction talk? Talk. Listen to what's... Blanche, I read the paper, every word of it. Read it to yourself. Don't be so disagreeable. Dr. Hershey told me to keep you occupied so you wouldn't think about the operation. All I'm thinking about is sleep. Oh, that's a good boy. You mustn't get nervous. No. I see the stock market is going up. That's fine. We have some stock, haven't we? Didn't you get some stock last year? Ten shares. Kentucky Salt Peterman. Preferred stock. My brother got you in on the ground floor, didn't he? Where is that now? In the ground. I can't even find it listed on the stock page. Look in the help wanted column. Are you getting relaxed, dear? No, now I'm starting to get nervous. I'm worried about you, John. If anything happened to you on the operating table, it would all be my fault. So, you know what I think? We'll, uh, sneak out, huh? No. I think you should make out a will. Make out a will? I thought you were worried about me. Well, you don't want to leave me at the mercies of all those grasping relatives of yours, do you? The minute you drop dead, they Don't talk like that. Can't you say pass on or something like that? Well, you always say drop dead. That's only when I'm talking to your brother. You could be a little more delicate when you're discussing wills. Why? Because you make it sound like I'm going to go any minute. Well, they don't give you two weeks' notice, you know. Every man should make out a will. Okay, I'll make it out tomorrow. You say it, but you won't do it. Get up now. Do it now. What? Go on, get up, and make out a will. Well, you're out of your mind. In the first place, a will isn't legal unless you have two witnesses. And in second place, I haven't got anything to leave in the first place. Nobody is going to take anything, and I don't need a will. You are the most stubborn man that ever lived, John. Why? Why am I stubborn? It's the hardest thing in the world to make you admit I'm right when you know I'm wrong. There's a woman's logic for you. Suppose I do make out a will, and nobody can touch anything besides you. Okay, so now... You've got it all, my worldly goods. First thing you know, you'll get over your grief, marry a guy without a dollar to his name like that broken-down snore specialist, Dr. Hershey. Oh, I'm not going to marry anybody. He'll give up his practice, take you for every penny, my hard-earned money. He'll drive around my brand-new car, drink my bourbon, (laughs) loaf around like the French, never do a day's work. Why don't you make the bum get a job, Blanche? And then screaming like that. 
Hush up and go to sleep. Go to sleep, she tells me. I'm a nervous wreck. She practically walks me into a funeral. Mary's a doctor behind my back. Now she tells me to go to sleep. I'll never sleep. Another wink as long as I... John, the telephone. The telephone. Answer it! No. Who the dickens is calling? Who moved the phone, Blanche? What'd you get up for? It's right on the night table beside your bed. I thought I was, uh... Hello? Mrs. Renesas, this is your maternity nurse. You can get ready now. I'm bringing your baby in. What? Blanche, how long have I been here? Isn't he 413? I don't know what this is, but I'm not feeding any babies. A way to run a hospital. It's just a mistake, John. No, I shouldn't have fallen for this operation deal. I could be so comfortable at home in my own bed. One of us should have stayed there. What for? How do you know a prowler won't break in? I left a whole bottle of bourbon on the dresser. Nobody will break in. The turkey would gobble and scare him away. The turkey would gobble? I can just see... Turkey? What turkey? Well, I was going to surprise you. I won a turkey in a raffle, John. You've got a live turkey running around the house? He isn't running around. I've got him tied to your bed. On my bed? What'd you do that for? I'll have the whole thing full of feathers. What'll we do with a live turkey? Well, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow, John, and I thought you'd murder him for dinner. I'm not going to murder any turkeys. But if he lays a beak on my bourbon, I'll chop his head off. Blanche, you're the most impossible woman that ever lived. Oh, I'm sorry, John. I guess everything I do is wrong. I'll go home and put the turkey out. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Never mind. I didn't mean to holler. Let's go to sleep so I can feel good for the operation. I don't think I want you to have it. What's the least I can do for you? Kept you awake all these years with my snoring, and when Dr. Hershey gets through with me, I'll be as quiet as a mouse. But if you stop snoring... I'll never wake you up, will I? No. And if I don't wake you up, we won't fight, will we? That's right. Well, that settles it. I'm not going to let him operate, John. Why not? It's the only chance I get to talk to you. Come on, we're going home. I give up. Pilots, get off of my lawn! We're trying to do a radio show down here! It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? 
Go on! Go on, get out of here! <laughs>